Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory, a podcast from the Business Centre where we talk about all things small business. Welcome to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast, our series on cybersecurity culture with Sarah and Kristen. Today we are joined by Hector Lucenti. He's the founder of The Beach Geek, an information technology guru that has lifted his own business from the ground up in a little under four years. Hector lives in Tunkari and has been in the industry since the 90s. He's worked in various roles around the world from tech support to technology infrastructure manager, project manager and system and process designer. Information security is always on his radar and he is very passionate about making sure the small business community understands how a security breach can impact any business and how to implement countermeasures to mitigate these risks. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Are you looking to grow your business? We have a fantastic team of experience-led business advisors and online toolboxes that can guide you to scaling your business. You can find all the information at businesscentre.com.au. So I'm Sarah. And I'm Kristen. And we're from the Cybersecurity Culture Program here at the Business Centre. This project is funded by the Australian Government Department of Industry, Science, Energy and Resources through the Cybersecurity Business Connect and Protect Program. This series, we will be highlighting a range of cybersecurity issues within business around culture, impacts of breaches, what to look out for, real life stories, where to seek support or report a breach, and some easy strategies to start protecting your customers and your brand. It is crucial to be proactive and have strategies in place for protection. Some key findings from the ACSC annual Cyber Threat Report for 2021 financial year reported that the ACSC had received over 67,500 cybercrime reports, an average of one every eight minutes, representing an increase of nearly 13% from the previous financial year. So we welcome today's guest, Hector, from The Beach Geek to discuss porting and safe storage of customer information. Hello, Hector. So we've had many conversations about cybersecurity and something we have discussed was around porting mobile numbers. Now, my understanding, this is something that occurs when someone transfers their mobile number to a different service provider. But what I didn't really stop to think about was how someone can fall victim to a porting scam. And I know that you have some stories on this, if I'd love you to share with uh, Kristen and myself. Yeah, absolutely. So this came into a radar probably before COVID hit. So it's not a new thing. And it was a very interesting AML that we haven't seen before. Um, so basically what happens is your phone number gets ported out. So what that means is when, when you change carriers, if you want to keep your phone number, that action of moving the phone number to another carrier, it's called porting. I suppose it comes from the all exchanges where you actually physically have to change your number from one port to another. And that's why um, it just you know, remain the word porting. But that's usually what happens. So this is this is an action that gets done in the background. It's got no end user intervention at all. The carriers know because they hold the databases. So if you are carrier one and I'm carrier two and customer A is going to move in between us, all I need is a form saying, hey, customer A wants to be with me now and they've authorized for the number to be given to me. So carrier two goes, yeah, okay, that's enough. Show me the form and it's enough to have uh, certain details of that customer 
and that's enough to authorize a porting. So the details are not too many. All you need is a name, a last name, a date of birth, and an account number. So with those three things, you can pretty much, and well, and clearly the phone number, with those things, you can pretty much port out a number, whatever you want, right? So what happens is, without your knowledge, if someone were to acquire this information, doesn't stop anyone from calling another carrier and porting your number out. Now, once the number is ported out, it's a non-stop process. It's gone. So once they trigger that action, I'm guessing they're in the system, they action the porting, and the databases remove it from one. And once it started, you cannot stop it. It's gone. And then it ends up in the other carrier. Now, you would want your number back. So for that, you have to now do the same authorization level so the carrier can release the number back again. But let's say I'm the thief and I'm stealing your number. Mm -hmm. Clearly, when I port it, I would now change some of those details. So if you want it back, you can't catch it. So now it makes it ultra hard to recover your number. So that's basically the, the MO we've seen. And, and we've seen it in, in few occasions. And in real life, we've seen it happen. Mm. Is there any stories that you can tell me about that one? Yeah, of course. The two best stories I have, which highlights the range of this is we had a client who was not a commercial client, just an individual. Mm-hmm. And I got another story from a commercial client. So for the individual, uh, this person was um, actually traveling just to WA for the weekend. She had flights booked in, everything done. She will leave on a Friday to just spend the weekend there. Uh, she jumps on a plane in Sydney. By the time she lands in Perth, her phone is not working anymore. It's on SOS mode. Now, she thinks it's because she had it on airplane mode and she was in the plane, you know, well, who knows. But, hey, it's Friday night. I want to catch up with mates. Who cares about this? I'll look after tomorrow. So off he goes, the phone on SOS, and it doesn't get fixed. Next day, Saturday, so it's hard to find any support. Clearly, she can't call anyone because the phone is on SOS. She leaves it like that, returns back on Monday to find out that the number has been ported. And, okay, what does that mean? Well, it's what it means. So what I explained, got explained to her. And then because a number was ported, what happens is now that I have your number, I clearly now receive all the two-factor authentication codes. So you would know when you are logging into your Google account or to your bank or anything, and it says, I'm going to send you a message. Well, guess who received that message now? If you don't have yeah. your phone anymore, right, and I stole that, now I'm getting the codes. That allows me to reset your banking passwords, your email passwords, and whatever else you have associated with this, okay? So this, unfortunately for her, well, this happened while, you know, she was zipping some wines, which is absolutely fine. This is not her fault. And in the background, someone changed her email address password from there went to access the bank, got access to internet banking, changed that password, and then proceeded to move money out. And that, unfortunately, did not take the whole weekend. You know, it, it was all done by the time she probably had not finished the first champagne. It, within minutes, it's done. So 
the other thing we found out is this didn't just happen by chance. Her email address had been hacked for quite a while, which is usually what happens. So, you know, your email address gets hacked and it doesn't get compromised. So, you know, again, I'm the thief and I find access to your email account, right? Well, now guess what? I'm not going to go tell you and do things for you to go and change the password. I'm just going to sit here dominant and I'm going to read your emails and I'm going to profile you. So I'm going to find out where you shop, who, who do you email, and I'm going to create a profile of this, right? And once I have this information over months and I've just been sitting there dormant watching, then I can put a plan in place and act on it. I'm pretty quick across your digital life. So this is what would have happened. This answers the question of, well, how did they know I was going to be in a plane? Well, clearly, how do you book your flights? Mm-hmm. And where does the confirmation go? So once I read and go, oh, perfect, you're going to be in a plane for Perth. Okay, where is that? Okay, Google Maps. Oh, yeah, that flight is about five hours plus the time you have to be in the airport. You're going to be offline for seven hours. So I'm going to do this while you're taking off and you're never going to know. And that is not hard if you have the information, right? So that, that's, that's a good story we had. And a similar story happened for a commercial client who moves large amount of money. So money moving in their account, it's not a strange thing. It happens they, because of what they do. Uh, so come a Friday, about maybe quarter to five or 10 to five, the phone goes on SOS mode and they go, oh, what's happened here? I can't make any calls. It's your phone on SOS. No, mine is fine. You know, that all starts. And yeah, just before five to five, the money was gone from the account. So that same, they got in, changed the password, changed the codes, got in and transfer money out. It was a lot. It was in the tens of thousands of dollars. So it wasn't 500 bucks. You know what I mean? And it happens. So the problem is when it happens, pretty much find yourself helpless because who do you call? I mean, you can't even use your phone. Mm. So, and that is the risk of it. And, and that's why it's so aggressive and, and overwhelming, I suppose, for anyone. You know what I mean? Super scary. Hmm. It is super scary, yes. And the outcome, well, it depends, right? So then then you would have a lot of people that tell, well, that's okay, I'm insured, and, you know, the bank will come forward, which is fine. That's usually what happens. It's the headache of doing all of this. It's the psychological load of having feel violated you know, this is your bank account. So mm. I think in previous conversation, the analogy I've made is, you know, unfortunately, I've been broken into. Mm. And if, if you have been broken into, you know what it feels coming back and, and seeing your things touch and move by someone else who wasn't you. And that feeling, it's not good. And it feels wrong. And it's not different when you get hacked and you get violated in this way. From when we are little, we're told the bank is a place to put your money and this is what you work hard for and then suddenly it's gone. Uh, So it's not so much of am I going to get the money back? Yeah, you probably will. It's just all the other stuff that comes behind it, you know what I mean, and all the love that will cause, all the distrust, all the what do you do now? So Mm. that's what we have found. And for a business, you know, it's the ultimate hit in the face. Imagine if all your cash flow is gone. 
mm. and you have bills to pay, a uh, payroll to run. Yes, the bank will give you the money back, but it takes some time. So, you, you, you know, it's not easy. And those are the, some of the consequences. And that, I think, it's more scary to what actually happened. Do you have a part-time business that you'd like to take full-time and beyond? Our experienced business advisors can support you in growing your area and making that big bang in business. Contact us at businesscentre.com.au. I'm a business owner. Tell me how I could fall victim to this type of scam. Would I know? Is there something that that is common? I mean, most people have a smartphone phone of some description and we're constantly on them whether that is in a professional or a personal manner i know my whole life's on that my phone (laughs) how do you protect how do you protect yourself how do you know this is the most scary part now it's you can't you don't know there's no symptoms when it happens it's, it's done so unfortunately you don't find out until it's happened and this is again the scariest part now as I mentioned before, because most likely you already are on the watch, so you were already monitored, there are no symptoms, you know. So mm-hmm. you don't know. Then suddenly the phone goes on SOS and I panic. Still to this day, when it happens to me, I panic. So I guess what well, the best thing you can do, well, the other scariest part is if you contact any of the carriers, there is no control measures for this. So the first time I heard from these stories, right, the first thing I did is I called my carrier and go, okay, hello, I've just, this just happened. And what happens if someone calls and ports my phone out? Okay, and this is how the process got explained to me in detail. Well, this is what happens when I'm porting, you know, request is process. And I said, okay, well, that's not good. Can you put anything, you know, any measures in place for this? And the answer was a clear no. We don't have any. Well, of course you don't. They don't because these are old systems and it's based on old processes that the carriers have not changed because 20 years ago this didn't happen. So why do we need extra authorization, right? But in today's world, why is no one thinking about this? All this money thrown around in this big, why no one is changing these processes? It's just having that rigorous, constant audit change your passwords, make sure they're strong passwords, make sure you're not using the same password for the same things. And if you complete that, it's it's that preventive action that is actually going to protect you from this. So it's the back burning, you know, before the fire season starts. And it sounds like it comes back to a phishing attack. But it could have started any other way. You know what I mean? So Mm. a phishing attack is just that, phishing Mm. for information, and this Mm -hmm. is how it all starts, Mm. you know. And, and this is why you have to be so protective mm. of your information, your personal information, your business information, because it's not hard to acquire, to be honest. It's out there. You, you make know? it and sound then, really easy. Mm. <laughs> it kind of worries me. <laughs> is this trending in the cyber criminal world? I would say yes. Yes. You know what okay. I mean? I've, I've, we can only go for what we hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not seen this in the, news, in the news enough to say, well, it's trending, but I would say it's an MO, it's sitting there, and probably the creams don't want it to trend because, you know what I mean, then it's bad for them. Mm. So, but it's out there, and I, we've seen it happen. 
So for us, yes, of course, it's trending. It's an MR and it's very bad. So really, if that was to happen to me, there's nothing I can do. But what I can do right now is to implement some steps. And one is to call my carrier, get some code words happening. And change your passwords. Yeah, and just make them aware, you know, you cannot do this without my authorization. I've Mm. got another example so you can see how Mm. easy it is to lose control. This Mm. this was actually not a hack, but it just, Mm. this example clearly shows how inefficient and weak Mm. the process is within the carrier. So one of my clients has a workshop, right? Mm -hmm. He decides to build a loft to rent it out, you know, bit more cash why not so he gets his council approval he gets his loft bill and it's done right now he rents it out to this young fella just out of uni the guy goes in and says, yeah perfect this is my loft i'm gonna live here okay weeks go by and then the tenant says, hey listen do you mind if i just get my own mbn because you know i need to start working from here and he goes yeah mate by all means go for it right about eight weeks later we get a phone call because our client has lost their internet. No internet and their email is no longer working and, you know, and the phone number is not working and if you ring the workshop, it's not happening. What happened here? Well, guess what? Because the tenant used the same address as the workshop, he actually went to a different carrier and said, I want NBN here. The carrier has gone, oh, yeah, there is actually NBN at an address, so let's call it uh, Two Lake Street. Yeah, there is an NBN at Two Lake Street. Yeah, sure, we'll put you in a plane. They sent a technician, and the technician had come to, not even had to come to the premises, come outside of the street, change the ports, and go, yeah, now you have NBN here, and disconnected the previous business, which was also Two Lake Street, which was my client's workshop. Now, because he went from one carrier to the other, it took about 20 days for him to, because they said, well, you, you cancelled. No, I didn't cancel. But we got an, a request from another carrier. Yeah, that's the guy who rents from me. He's like, yeah, but he's got the same address. I say, yeah, but you, this is a business. I've had this number for like 30 years. Like, well, yeah, but you cancelled. So now it's gone. So it took him 20 days because he had to reapply for a new service. So imagine the dramas. Mm. And that's how easy it is to go ahead and just call someone mm. and yeah, the carrier will just not do any background check. It's okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So you can see clearly how there's a weakness in the process mm. and that should not be like that. Yeah, mm. sure is. And there's a lot of downtime there as well. That's a big impact on the business. That's huge to lose your phone service for 20 days. Mm. Yes, and then so, you know, some things you probably want to do is make sure if, you, if you're a business and you have an account representative, with your carrier, mm-hmm. uh, make sure you have that phone number saved in your, in your phone. So if your phone goes completely dark, at least you can get that out of there, borrow someone's phone and call and just make sure, hey, what's going on? My phone's going on SOA. It's my account, okay. Those are the first questions you need to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes your SIM card could fail and that produces a phone to go on SOS. Nothing's happened, but, you know, you need, to, you need to be ready to act if it happens because, as I've already said, mm. you might just have minutes until things start developing. So mm. if that's all you have, well, you can't wait until tomorrow. You mm. can't wait. You need to like really get onto it and go, 
you need to call, you need to, you need to have a go now and find out what's going on. Why is that count? Why is my phone on SOS right now? Mm. Why I cannot make calls, you know, because you need to discover if it's being ported out. Let's talk all things small business. For some practical advice and direction, DM us on Facebook or Instagram at The Business Centre. So tell me, what have you been working on through all these lockdowns in the last 12 months, 18 months? What's what's trending for you? Basically for us, a big trend is um, paperless systems mm-hmm. and implementations of paperless systems. Because people have now realised, you know, working from home, um, you know, probably not going to have an office and just want to, you know, move more into the digital sort of things. So that is a big one. And that what we did is, um, you know, we were proactive and actually found an Australian company who develops their own product. And we now just became partners Australian partners with them. So now we can, yeah, thank you very much. So now we can deploy system and implement. So, um, you know, it's that's pretty much been on the works. And, you know, the usual then working from home or websites, people are just pouring their money to making sure they come out, you know, with a more robust infrastructure. Yeah, that's sort of what's been trending. Unfortunately, not so much cyber security, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. And another thing that we've spoken about in the past and I find really interesting and I do love to listen to your stories is that this is actually big business and you're talking about porting numbers and people's information. I know that you've told me stories where it is a business for some. Here in Australia, it's illegal for cybercrime. Overseas, however, it's bread and butter and potentially going home to their families. I'd love you to fill Kristen in on some of these stories about what happens in in third world countries. But I do know of, you know, credit card numbers. And I guess back in the day, we would swipe our credit card, etc. And we have the paper copy. So how is that different? I mean, we have the paper copy of that, right? And we've spoken about that. But now we do a lot of transactions online with our credit card. Do you know where I'm going? And where, and, and where do you put this? It's Look, it happened to me today. I've changed gyms, so I went to a new gym, and then I'm putting all this information. And the first thing, like when, when the app starts asking me questions, I said to the lady, sorry, where, where do you store all this stuff? Mm-hmm. Because this is my information. Mm. You know what I mean? And yesterday, my insurance for my car called me, and the guy goes, oh, hey, is this Hector? Yeah, how are you? Who's this? Oh, this is such and such from da 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 insurance. Like, uh huh. And we just, I just, you know, following up, making sure your insurance is all good and you don't, yeah, okay. So, can I just grab your date of birth and your name and your address so I can confirm this so we can move on with the conversation? And I say, yeah, absolutely. Can you please tell me what the policy number is? And he goes, oh, um, yeah, okay. So he speeds that out. And I said, okay. And now you can tell me what car, make a model, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe. Just give me a second. I'm like, okay. So he confirms that and I said, you can tell me the color of the vehicle. Uh, yeah, yes, I can. Yeah. And I said, and can you tell me when I actually started this insurance? When was the first time I signed up? Uh, yeah, yeah, this date. And okay. So here is my information. So see, I've now become the counter asking. And then some of them go, oh, yeah, I can't, I can't give you those details until you give me your details. 
well, that's mm-hmm. not how it works. Mm-hmm. Then I'll call you back, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, that's what it is. And coming from a third world country, this it is bread and butter for some people. This is what they do. Like, you know, they're really good con artists and that's what they do all day. There are stories. There, there was a story in Wide Magazine about these uh, sweatshops in these sweatshops in South Korea and China where those that are trying to escape those um, regimes get called into these sweatshops to work. They take away their passports and that's it. They just work for food and a roof, not even for money. It's just to keep alive. And their work is sit here for 12 hours and analyze this data, find out possible hacks, find out robocalls. This is what you do. And, you know, and we have your passport. We have your life. We know where your siblings and, and they live. So if you don't do it, that's it. It's so sad. And this is, it is sad. Mm. And it's, it, this is not science fiction. This, this happens because bad people are bad, you know. So if, if they are bad and that's what they do. And it's specific to cybersecurity as well. Mm. They are taking information, details, and on-selling them, I believe, as well, is part... We have outsourced so many things, right? So, you know, big companies outsource this to where? Well, they outsource it to third-world countries. Nothing wrong with that, and I'm sure there's a lot of processes mm. and, you know, checks in place. But, you know, when you're in a third-world country and someone says, oh, hey, I heard you're working at, I don't know, this big company here. Yeah, yeah, you know, oh, well, that's good. Now, listen, we're going to pay you 50 bucks for every lead you bring us. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, yeah, okay. Now, you need to think that that person's salary might only be $15 a month or Mm. less. Mm. So when someone offers you 50 bucks for a lead, well, you know, does it really really matter? You know? And then then once you've accepted, how hard is to really get a lead out? I Mm. mean... Yes, you probably they're not allowed to bring your phones into the office. Yes, you're not allowed to bring pen and paper or a USB key. That's fine. Mm. But we all have eyes. Mm. We all have a brain and we all have memories. We all have cognitive abilities that can develop to a superhuman extent. So I um, could be very good at memorizing what I see on the screen. Mm. What, how do you stop that as a company? How do you stop that information from leaking? Mm. and going out mm. and mm. what are your control measures do you see what i mean and then he, here i am sitting and I say, well i'm getting you know 50 dollars a pop so today i'm just going to memorize two thank you very much there's a hundred dollars and this is what i brought you date of birth and mm. addresses credit card numbers here you go and i go back to work tomorrow which circles back to what you just said in regards to all this information that you were handing out and you, you asked the question, where do you store your information? So it's really important to be aware, you know, ask those questions. Where do you store it? Um, make sure that they are complying to the rules, policies and procedures that we have here in Australia to protect yourself. Are you looking to grow your business? We have a fantastic team of experience-led business advisors and online toolboxes that can guide you to scaling your business. You can find all the information at businesscentre.com.au. Let's talk about that QR reader, these QR codes. So I was saying in one of our conversations, we talked about how this QR code started and it's, you know, it's a very good example how 
the needs of pretty much the whole humanity moved so quick and we couldn't keep up and no one at the top chair was thinking. So when we started saying, oh, well, you need to register for contact tracing, which is very valid, most people were using free databases and services to do QR code or name registration. So if you roll back the type, you know, about two years ago when all this started, there was no QR code. When you went to the cafe, they gave you an iPad or they gave you a link and you went in and there was a few boxes and you had name, surname and phone number and you had to put them in, right? Now, I came about a client who asked me to just implement one of those things for their shop and I said, yeah, sure, there's, there's a couple and, you know, they were subscription-based, reputable, secure and the answer was, no, I don't want to pay for it. I know such and such who does it for free. And I said, yeah, but that information goes to databases that are probably going to get sold. And he goes, I don't care. I just don't want to pay for it. That's not my problem. Wow. He was like, okay, so clearly you don't care about the personal information of your customers. Mm. And that's not very nice. But do you know what I mean? That probably mm. happens. So then I'm guessing the reaction is, well, you know, why am I going to give you my information for contact tracing mm. now and then you know i've had this conversation with someone i said what should happen is the government needs to step in someone needs to develop a central database that is government controlled and is secure and that's what everyone should be using they should not be allowed to use whatever they want mm -hmm. they should be whatever the government says and about a month later came the services new south Wales qr code Mm -hmm. And that was fantastic. And now it's all in one thing. And, and, you know, people go, oh, yeah, well, now we're giving more things to the government. It's like, oh, hang on a second. You were giving it to strangers before. Yeah. Which... Like the government is not getting any other information. They already don't know. They already know more than what you're giving. So at least now it's in a central secure location mm -hmm. and not just wherever. Now, what happened was, if you, if you have been watching, then you'll see that this started with those free databases. And guess what happened about six months into it? Six to seven months, we started to trend for COVID scams via email and phone numbers. Most of it phone calls. And you go, wow, these scammers are quick. No, they're not quick. They've been harvesting information for seven months. We've been giving them our mobile numbers with our names to mm. databases that get sold. Of course, seven months later, it's a quick call. Hello, Joanne. This is such and such from the Department of Health. You know, oh, well, what happened? Well, in this day, because they have it, you went to this cafe, remember? Oh, yes, yes, I did. Okay. Well, at that time, someone had covered. Oh, wow. And then, you know, the narrative from there, it's, you know, for someone who's trained like they are, it's easily malleable and then you get your victim. And then if that fails, you just move into the next call. I mean, you've got hundreds of lines of phone calls to make. You know, why waste the time in one that resists? You know what I mean? And this is the scary part. So we went on giving all this stuff for free. Mm. It's like, no, don't. As a business, how do we help not just our own businesses, but other businesses, be more aware of scams that are out there. What do we do? Where do we look? 
Absolutely. This is a great question. So, you know, there is, and I'm sure you're going to mention this, but there's, you know, we have in this country very blessed to have a lot of support resources and places you can call, such as um, ScamWatch. Uh, but, you know, start a conversation with your IT provider. Start that conversation. That's the first step. In what way? Have an audit. Have a review. Ask them, hey, I got this information from my clients. Is, is what we're using secure? Is this cloud thing secure? Can you please let me know this complies, you know, and it's compliant with all the Australian laws? We've got clients in the financial sector and in the law industry that they're just not allowed to use any cloud provider. So mm-hmm. we've had to implement local solutions. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's more expensive, but it's what it is. The information just does not move. So unless we know the information is here, they cannot engage cloud providers, and that is by law. So if you don't know this as a business owner, mm-hmm. you need to start that conversation and, you know, start there and find out if, you know, where is all this stuff that I'm storing and, and where does it go? And same with your processes, just review it. If you're storing stuff on paper, well, think about it. Where does it go? Who has access to this? Does it matter? Does it not matter? Mm. I'm sure we're all going to a restaurant and then at the end, the lady comes with a little form and said, oh, hey, do uh, you mind just filling this in? You know, and then you go, oh, okay, what is this? Oh, you know, on your birthday, we'll just give you a free meal. Okay. So you exchange a free meal for information. Mm. So they want phone number, last name, address, mobile number, email address, you know, and, and what do you do sometimes? Like, Database. Okay. They get it all. Do you know what I mean? All those things that I've just told you, you only need three of them to pull mm-hmm. your number out. Now, I'm not saying the restaurant it's at fault for this mm. or the you know, but the thing is the piece of paper mm. flies then from the you know, from the table, goes mm-hmm. through the waitress hand, gets put on the manager's desk and it mm-hmm. sits there. Sometimes it gets sit behind the counter where people can actually see it and it's just there in plain sight. So all you need is the wrong mind to walk at the right time and mm-hmm. go, hello, here is some information I'm just mm-hmm. gonna snap shot right now. Yeah, so you're thinking, you know, it just seems so far fetched, but I guess in your line of work you see this and you hear about this quite often. So it's perhaps not that far fetched. How many times have we left important information just lying around. All the time. I mean... <laughs> and throw it out, bills, and then you marry that up with other pieces of paper that you have got personal information on. And, yeah, that's So I guess so it's scary. like that, isn't it? It's, it's like I, I was saying the other day to Sarah, probably if you are in social media, you have seen these posts going around sometime at some point that said, oh, hey, Fill this one in and then forward it to all your contact lists. Okay, so what's the colour of your eyes and what's your height and what was your favourite pet and where did you grow up? And then if you do all this, oh, your star sign name. Okay, that's all the most (laughs) common questions you need. Yeah, I've seen those and I think everyone's Jerry to those. (laughs) Yeah, and I I think we've all... We've been victim of filling those out but without really understanding the repercussions of what we are providing people might argue though my account's private yeah but who knows who's who where because you go my account is private yet you know i have friended people on social media just as an experiment and some of them just accept Mm. so how do you know it's just one of those things so i think everyone's got the duty of care especially Mm. if you're a business and you hold information for your 
customers. Mm -hmm. The duty of care of making sure that it's well protected mm -hmm. and in, in secure location and at least that you are compliant. Mm. That way if something were to happen, well, you can't turn around and say you didn't do everything you could. Mm. Well, you did. But if you didn't, then, you know. You're in trouble. I guess if this cybersecurity aspect is just not in my mindset, in my psyche to do myself when I'm either setting up my business or I'm within my business and I'm established, can we come and see you and say, hey, Hector, this is where I'm at. I need some help. And without you being very biased about this, of how great you are, what would I be looking out for to provide me with that quality information? So I'm a new business starting out. I can Google who's the best, but what do I actually need? What are maybe three or four main things that I need to really look for in trust with a provider? Look for a business. Absolutely. Look for a business that is well-established. Mm -hmm. Look for a business that has reputation, that you can actually confirm who they are. Everyone can have testimonials. That's mm -hmm. fine. The way we see it, if our clients ask us for reference, we have no problem. We'll give it to them. We have nothing to hide. Mm -hmm. you know? So if you are contacting someone and you ask for reference, they go, oh, well, no, it's the ones on the website. I'm not going to. Well, that's, that should be a flag. You know what I mean? Like if you're really okay. good at what you do and you really have good testimonials, why, why not provide some? So I think that's important because there is also a lot of other people out there that if they're not well established mm -hmm. and they're in the wrong side of the, you know, of the street, Mm. Now you're giving even more information, you know, then it becomes even more scary. So it's, it's just those four things is, is what I would be looking for. Hector, thank you so very much. Thanks, Hector. Great eye-opener. Thanks for listening to the Business Big Bang Theory podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast today, please review and rate us through iTunes and follow and share on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn at The Business Centre. 